With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. One for podcasting. The PSAs you hear on Miller & Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller & Condon. Live from the DraftKings Sportsbook and Wild Rose Studio, this is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back. Five minutes after the hour 11, we take you up until noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO 106.3 FM, Centurion Stone of Iowa, sponsors this next segment as they do each and every week in his normal slot. He's our friend David Kaplan. He joins us live from Chicago. Cap Trenton, Ken, how are you, Capper? Team K, how are you doing as I fight my allergies here in the pollen-infested Windy City? Trent's the same no, way this awful. morning. He came Just in. I'm terrible. glad I don't have him. I, I, I'm, You're a lucky man. It's, it's the worst. I mean, I'm on Claritin, Flonase. I take a cough syrup because every time you cough, I don't have a. We have to check our temperature every time we walk in the office. Yeah, ninety-six point seven normal temperature. You may proceed, but if you cough, everyone looks and goes, "You have the Rona, <laughs> yeah, right?" No, I have true, hay man. fever. I get it every September. Trent was just holding up his medicine as you were describing what you're taking. Got a medicine case here with me, and uh, yeah, we're taping TV later today. It's just, it's crazy. I got the mask on, you cough, you sneeze, anything, and the looks that you get from people, I guess I understand it. That's the environment we live in today. I wish I just had a sign around my neck. I have allergies. Give me a break. Yeah. Make Correct. it easier. That's a great idea. We should come up with buttons like you and I and yes. whoever else that deals with it. I have Hey, fever, back off. Yeah, really. You know what? I don't know if we should start with the White Sox or with the Bears. So let's do the Bears first of all because, look, that was a different third quarter. I heard Lance Briggs uh, on with you um, at at some point. It was either on your Facebook presentation or at some point after the game. He mentioned that the Lions switched up their coverage. Matt Patricia uh, inexplicably uh, switched from zone to man, and Mitch exploited that. Uh, Lance Briggs felt that way, and he saw something you would think that he would know what he was looking at. Uh, was that the main reason, do you think, that the Bears and Trubisky in particular came alive? Okay, so give me a minute to break all this down for you because I get, fortunately, access to some amazing minds. Like, we can all you know, study and watch football and all of that. Tonight I'm going to break down the All Coaches 22 tape and all of that. But when you talk to people that actually did this for a living, you go, wow, I didn't think of it that way. So we're sitting in the green room at NBC Sports Chicago, socially distanced, and it's Briggs, Alex Brown, and Olin Krutz and me. Pretty good crew. And, and the, the best. And Olin says, Matt Patricia just went man-to-man. Mitch is going to crush this. And Lance looked and he said, yes, he is going to tear it up. As we watch this unfold, 
you know, the question was, why would you go away from the zone, which Mitch has more problems with? I'm not going to say he struggles with, but he has more problems with. And you got to remember, they were down three corners. Justin Coleman, who's really good, was just put on IR on Monday because he's got a hamstring injury. So they're down three corners. They're down their best linebacker, Jamie Collins, who was kicked out of the game. So Monday, I do a show with Dave Wanstead. Now, you know, some people in town go, Dave Wanstead, he was a bad Bears coach. Yeah, he also was the defensive mm-hmm. coordinator of a Super Bowl champion. Right. He's been a two-time head coach. I think he knows a little more about football than some idiot calling into a talk show. So I asked Dave, why would Matt Patricia, who's a – he was studying to be a rocket scientist. He was around Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute. He's a straight A. Like, he's a brilliant man. Why would he go man-to-man, blah, blah, blah? And Dave said, well, when we were in Dallas, we lost our first three corners. He said, you can say – Stay with the same scheme and number five corner, number six corner, whatever it is, should just be able to plug and play and keep going. Because there's a reason they're the number four, five, six, and seven right. corner on your roster. Because A, they're not as good. B, they're usually not as perceptive at being able to handle the scheme. He goes, so Jimmy Johnson finally said, okay, here's the deal. We have a new coverage. When we lose our two top corners, we play cat coverage. C-A-T. And Dave said, what does that mean? He goes, you got that cat, you got that cat, you got that cat. That's how we're going to play it. I know he's better with the zone, against the man-to-man than the zone. We're going to go with cat coverage because you aren't good enough athletically and perceptive enough to be able to play the zone the way my top corners do. So, guys, you have to step your game up. That's what Matt Patricia was trying to say after the game. It didn't work out, and Mitch killed it. All right, so we get a win. We're excited, improbable as it was, and then uh, earlier this week comes around and Allen Robinson takes everything yeah. off his social media pertaining to the Bears off, though he has told Adam Schefter that he hasn't demanded a trade. Certainly a lot rumbling there. Can you tell us the latest on the saga that is Allen Robinson and possibly wanting to leave Chicago? Look, here's the deal. He has zero power. Zero. Now, let me just say that Allen Robinson is an outstanding football player, top 12 receivers in the NFL. Let me also say that Allen Robinson is an even better person than he is as a football player. Walter Payton nominee from the Chicago Bears for NFL Man of the Year. He's beloved in that room. He and Mitch have a great friendship, and they have a great relationship, and he's a leader in the room. That's all perfect. I guess in 2020, this is what you know millennials do. They pull their stuff off social media. They get a few of their teammates to tweet, pay A-Rob, extend A-Rob, you know, whatever the case may be. The salary cap is coming down significantly because of the pandemic. Revenues are down, which in turn means the salary cap comes down. The Chicago Bears want to make sure what they can afford to pay him because, look, if things jump the tracks, they may have to go get a new quarterback. Mitch won't be here if he doesn't play well. So he'll be gone. Are you going to go get a second-round draft pick? Are you going to pick somebody in the 20s in the draft and think they're going to be ready to play? They have to know how much money is it going to cost me, how much money are we going to have to spend, and what else do we have to address? That's A. B, when you look at Allen Robinson, he says he wants to be paid what the market is. 
Well, does he want the extension DeAndre Hopkins got, which is like 25 point whatever? Does he want Keenan Allen's 20 million a year? Is Ryan offering 14? Like, they haven't let us in on any of that. Now, if he's saying, I want 20 million a year, that's what Keenan Allen and Cooper Cup and all these guys got, and I'm as good or better than them, he's correct. Now, if he's asking for $27 million because I'm the Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year nominee and I'm a great guy in the community and I'm an outstanding football player and I do everything right, well, Ryan can't pay him 25 to $27 million a year. So until we know what the Bears' offer is and how much of that guarantee he wants, I guess we can't really say, but I'll tell you this. As I said at the start of this long-winded answer, he's got zero juice because – he can say all he wants that he wants to be traded. A, if he sits out this year in protest, he doesn't accumulate this year as service time, so he then isn't a free agent. So that doesn't work. We know how short the shelf life is. He's already torn his ACL once. He makes it $14 million a year. He's not walking away from $14 million mm-hmm. over principal to let that, you know, to go sit out. So he's going to play football and the Bears have the ability to franchise tag him three times. So at the end of the year, they can go, all right, you want $25 million? We're going to tag your ass at 18 So I think this gets done. I think Ryan and Matt know how important he is, and I think it's much ado about nothing. Hmm. Baseball in a second, Cap. One more on the uh, on the Bears. So give us the pulse of, of your audience of Sports Talk uh, in, in Chicago did they buy Trubisky? Did they want to give him credit, or was ah come talk to me in a couple of weeks when he reverts to being Mitch Trubisky again? Where are they? Are they coming around, or still I need to see more? Yes, all of the above. We've had some call in. Would you guys please be more positive? They just came back with a historic comeback. How about this stat? There uh, since two thousand four, teams that had a seventeen or more point lead entering the fourth quarter are seven ninety seven. And three. And the Chicago Bears fucked that trend to beat the Lions. I mean, incredible. So Mitch was amazing. Mitch wasn't so amazing the first three quarters. So we're getting some people calling in going, would you be more positive? We won. We're 1-0. and Guys like Garoppolo and Brady and Dak Prescott, those guys are all 0-1. Please, just be positive. And there's others. Same old Mitch. Made a couple throws. You guys believe in him, and then he'll stink again for three quarters. So let's just let this play out. He's got good confidence. Allen Robinson did say after the game on Sunday, let me just tell you something. When we were down 23-6, to that guy was all over the sideline telling everyone, we're okay, we are going to come back and win this game. He goes, and every guy believed in him. That's a good thing. I need that, certainly. Let's jump over to a little baseball before we let you go. David Kaplan joining us from Chicago. I don't want to see the White Sox anymore. I'm a Twins fan, and boy, this has been a whooping. Go back to two days ago. Dylan Cease, we know the live arm was there. We talked about this a little bit uh, earlier in the week, Cappy, but seeing his progression throughout this year, he's certainly up there in the top three pitchers for the staff, and the upside seems like there's still more there for Dylan Cease. He's great. Yeah, Dylan Cease, the only thing he does that drives me nuts is he nibbles too much. Mm -hmm. When you throw 101 miles an hour, you got a Justin Verlander-like curveball. Why are you nibbling? Like, mm. Nelson Cruz, here's 101 up in the zone. Go get it, big guy. If you can hit it, I'll tip my cap. He can't. But when you walk this guy, 
hit that guy, nibble, nibble, <laughs> throw strikes, command your fastball, you have a chance to be a number one guy in a rotation. Hmm. Cap, who's the um... – because I look at, I see Tim Anderson is that guy. Uh, this this is his team. But there's a lot of folks that'll say, no, no, no. Abreu's the MVP of this ball club. Who is most responsible for this team where they are right now? Their best team in the American League. Um, look, Tim Anderson is the face of that team. He moved into the South suburbs and said, "I'm going to be a Chicagoan. I'm raising my kids here. My kids are going to go to school here." I am going to assimilate myself into that community. I'm not, you know, hey, honey, we're moving to Arizona, and as soon as the season ends, I'll be home. That's not who that guy is. Mm -hmm. He's the face of the team. The best run producer they have is Jose Abreu, and his home runs and his RBIs usually give you more MVP votes than a guy who is more of a singles hitter, although he does have, you know, I believe, eight home runs. I love Tim Anderson. He's my favorite player on that team. I have fallen in love with the guy and the player and the persona and everything, how he carries himself. So if I had an MVP vote, I would probably, for me, give it to Tim Anderson because I think he's the guy who is the heart and soul of that team. But I think Jose Abreu will get more votes because of the demolition the numbers he's done with yeah. his bat. What do you think of the, uh, well, we know the playoff format that's been in place, but after we get through the wild card round, the opening round of the playoffs going and bubbling up, what, what are your thoughts overall on the structure of what the playoffs are going to be? I actually like it. I think it's cool that they're going to do this. I just don't understand why it's Southern California where you had Jesus Luzardo, a 23-year-old or 22-year-old player for the A's the other day, go, I couldn't breathe, and I have no pre-existing conditions. I don't have a lung issue. I'm a healthy male, and I couldn't breathe. So, really? We're going to go to Southern California where the wildfires are? Wow, that's a novel concept. Like, why would you not go to Arizona? Because the COVID factor there doesn't matter if they're in a bubble. It didn't matter in Florida when the NBA went to Disney World. If you're going to be maintained in a bubble... Why would you not go to Arizona where you have, what, a dozen teams training, so you've got stadiums, and you have Chase Field where the Diamondbacks play with a dome? I don't understand that one. But Rob Manfred, that's him. Indeed. So same question about the Cubs that I asked you about the White Sox. Hap's been unbelievable at the top of that lineup. But Jason Hayward as well, he threw out a runner at the plate last night. I love watching that. Bang, bang, play. Contreras plied the tag. Who's the MVP of this Cubs team, Cap? It seemed like the answer was easy a few weeks ago. It's Ian Hap. I mean, he's carrying this team. Jason Hayward's had a good year. Yeah, it's funny. I would not vote for Ian Hap because he hasn't had a great couple weeks. And in a 60-game season, that's enough to derail you. Mm -hmm. uh, I would vote Jason Hayward. First of all, Jason Hayward is one of the leaders in that room. And you talk to guys away from a TV camera or a microphone, and you ask them about Jason Hayward. And I've had so many fans go, yeah, but that guy, we, in 2016, he was terrible offensively. That's right. But he was still the guy they all turned to in the rain delay in Cleveland 
who settled everyone down and they went out and won a World Series. Cap, can I interrupt you just for a second? I mean, last night's a perfect example exactly what you're saying. Contreras, boneheaded base running blunder, comes back into the dugout. He's hanging his head because it was a big spot. And who rushed over to console him or to talk to him? Hayward. Absolutely. Right. And Anthony Rizzo would tell you to your face, he said it a million times to me, if Jason Hayward does not call that meeting in the rain delay in Game 7, we don't win. He said we had guys sobbing in there that we had given away the World Series, and that guy got together and said, meeting in the weight room right now. And he said, we've come too far. We are going through a tough season in some respects and a great season in others, and I'm the model of that. I'm playing gold glove defense, and I suck offensively, but we're coming together. It's our time. He goes, every guy stopped crying. We came out. We won. That's why he's so important to that team. David Kaplan, Centurion Stone of Iowa sponsors. Cappy, great spot as always. We'll talk to you in a week's time, if not before. Thank you, Capper. I hope you know how much I enjoy talking to you guys. Yeah, you can tell. You brought it again today, as you always do. And we appreciate having you on. Thank you, David Kaplan. Thanks, Cappy. Have a great day. You do the same, pal. David Kaplan makes our show better. Uh, he's uh, At this time slot, we get him live now since his schedule changed. You get him live every Wednesday at 11.05. Centurion Stone of Iowa sponsors Cappy. We're grateful to them for that. If you're looking for manufactured or natural stone to accent your exterior or your interior, interior fireplace, you got a wall you want some work done, exterior as well, uh, Centurion Stone of Iowa uh, has over 200 color and pattern combinations. Check them out. You can do so online, centurionstoneofiowa.com, or visit the showroom, 5525 Northeast 22nd Street in Des Moines, 5525 Northeast 22nd Street in Des Moines. Thank you, Justin Luch, Joe Farron, and the whole crew over at Centurion Stone of Iowa. Last night, Jeffress blows the game. Yep. Is there a more anticlimactic way to win <laughs> a baseball the ba- than the plunked batters back to back? I mean, it's not even even with like a a three zero pitch or three two, whatever it may be. You kind of edge your seat at the very least because well, something's going to happen here. Oh, it was early and Maven's at bat, right? Yeah. All right, it's over. It, and just, Contreras, remember the pitcher? The the uh, he was the batter beforehand. Yeah, he got yeah, plunked. Right, he was po'd. Yeah, he got him right in the wrist. I mean, it was it stung a little mm-hmm. bit. I'm assuming, but. Uh, so, Cameron Maben, help it out. Just, I guess. Just get in the way. Just get in the way. He did last night. Good stuff. And baseball tonight. No basketball, no hockey, no football. It's all MLB for me. So, it will be, obviously, Twins White Sox. Yep. Cubs Indians, pretty good. What else is going to trip your trip? Are you going to jump back into your Blue Jays 605? Uh, no, because I gave up MLB. Oh, you did. I did, yeah. I so you got to be hopeful that MLB Network maybe has right. that one for tonight. Now, this year only. Next year I'll get it back again because yeah. everybody, all the local teams are in the sprint. We're playing mm-hmm. each other. Um, and I'll watch some of the Cardinals and the Brewers, your, your Twins, White Sox, and obviously the Cubs and the Indians. Yeah, not a whole lot of Royals Tigers, I don't think, going to yeah. be part of the television. <laughs> no. It's hard to get into those ones. Now, the Royals play the Cardinals next week, right? Or I think they start the week. Didn't Brian Walton say their final road trip to Cardinals is in Kansas City yeah, before before home. yeah before Milwaukee for the final five. Uh, we're going to talk golf next. It's the U.S. Open this weekend. Um, they catch a huge break television wise. I think college football is is it's a bad week. Uh, likewise in the NFL, week number two. If there is some juice on that leaderboard on Sunday, probably uh, watch more golf than normally I would. And I assume I'm not going to be alone, right? I mean, you'll watch it's, your local team. It's going to be hard still to pull away. 
Well, here's the thing. The Bears play early. Uh-huh. The Vikings play early. Broncos play early, finally, uh-huh. because they're in Pittsburgh this week. So 3.30 rolls around. What's the? What are the late windows? Chiefs Chargers. That's really good. Well, eh, I don't know if it's Pretty is. good. Yeah. Ravens there's another Texans. one, too. That's good, too. And how about the Washington football team at Arizona? Two upstart 1-0 teams. So it's not bad. It's going to be hard to pull away. It's football. Is Tiger in the hunt? Is well, Mickelson on the leaderboard? A, Tiger's a different conversation. Leave Tiger aside. Okay. If Phil Mickelson's... Because he had an awful experience at Wingfoot. 2006, I think it was. Mm-hmm. He's, of course, the U.S. opens the one major that's eluded him, right? And, uh, if he's got a chance for that Cinderella story... That might be different. That might be but different. if it's even it, if it's star study, it's is DJ Dustin Johnson. Does he do anything for you? Yeah, it's DJ and Morikawa and Rory, but John Rom. It's it's really good players, but it's still an NFL son. Yeah, it's gonna I be know, hard. I'm with you, Trent. But you're right, Tiger Phil. I think that changes the course. Without them, how about Saturday, the third <sighs> round, college football? Saturday golf. Come on, yeah, I'm with it's you. it's Sunday golf. Yeah, <laughs> and Sunday NFL. I'm going to sell it. I'm, I'm going to convince... No, I'm not. You're not. Uh, we'll have Matt Rudy next. Golf Digest. We'll talk about the uh, U.S. Open. It begins tomorrow. Uh, wing foot. Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station. 1460 KXNO. 106... Affiliates. Illinois. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon. On 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Welcome back, Miller and Condon, as we uh, continue on here in the 11 o'clock hour. Thanks to David Kaplan from Chicago, as promised, going to talk a little U.S. Open. As as we've said, uh, the U.S. Open uh, gets a huge break, I think, television-wise, because this is, in the history of college football viewing, maybe is... um it's, it's difficult to find games that are going to pique your interest, uh, I think. Uh, but uh, the golf is on. Let's get Matt Rudy in here. CourseGolfDigest.com. Senior writer Matthew Rudy. He's at Rudy Writer. Rudy Writer, W-R-I-T-E-R, on Twitter. And he joins us. Matt Trenton, Ken, thank you for coming on. Uh, golf in a second, Matt. Um, just the news this morning. You're a Michigan State grad. Uh, the Spartans and the rest of the Big Ten are going to be playing football. Let the bells ring out and the banners fly. I'm not sure we thought we would get to, but here we are, Matt Rudy. Yeah, and they're going to start the weekend of my birthday. Nice. November 25th is my birthday, so I get to, I got a, a, a belated Big Ten football present. I, I think it's such an interesting confluence of events. I think the other football games coming out and, and getting played and, and the relative, and I use that term very carefully, safety of people in the crowd, or, or not, not so much or lack of people in the crowd and the safety of the players, it doesn't seem to be a lot of transmission going on right now. I think the best you can do is try it and see what happens. I guess the worst would be it starts to spread again and they have to stop. But uh, I think there was a lot, of, a lot of internal and external pressure, and I'll be interested to see what happens. Well, they're going to be trying it certainly at the U.S. Open this week. Matt, if you can, uh, fill us in first on the course, what it's going to look like. Limited uh, number of people there. And one thing I, I see continued talk about is the rough, what it's going to look like not being trampled down as much with all the fans in attendance, not going to have that. Mm. What's the course as a whole looking like? It's such an interesting experience. The weather is perfect. It's low 70s during the day, a little bit of breeze, and it's in the 50s at night. And so the the grass is going to be plush and green and healthy. You're not going to see any dead greens or any of that stuff. 
uh, and uh, and it, the the rough is high, and they're actually they, they've got an entire squadron of people out there fluffing the grass up to make sure that it's not only tall, but it's uh, it's difficult too. And 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 you you hit the point right there. Usually there are some alleyways near the near the rough where people have been standing all week, but there's going to be none of that. And you're you're going to see people hitting shots wayward that they might have gotten saved on in any other U.S. Open, where it's going to be just a a fact-finding mission where you have to go off into the wilderness and see what you can what you can discover. I, the the weather is unique. Playing in the Northeast in September is different than playing in, in a U.S. Open venue anywhere in the country during the middle of the year. Uh, the weather, I think, is almost going to be more like Pebble Beach style weather, where it can be cool. It can, you know, if you have an early morning tea time, you might have a sweater on. There's just a lot of different things. It's like what we're going to see with the Masters in November. Um, it's a, it's a golf course we're familiar with, with Wingfoot, but the context is going to be different because of the time of year and no crowds. I, I think that too brings in like what you saw with Colin Morikawa at the PGA. When you, when you have a younger player who's doing something that he hasn't done before, I think having no crowd and, and just imagine being paired with Tiger, for example, and what that would be like mm-hmm. under normal major championship circumstances. That's a different beast than being able to tee it up in the relative quiet of a, you know, with with a couple of USGA officials and random media people walking around. It's it's just a, it's a different thing, and it rewards some interesting different kinds of skills, and and uh, it makes for fun and challenging analysis for sure. Uh, Matt Rudy, Golf Digest is our guest. Matt, uh, if there was a Hollywood ending to this, of course, it would be Phil Mickelson who returns to <laughs> the scene of his of his most crushing defeat. And I think that's fair to say, right? I mean, this is the one that's escaped him, and boy, oh boy, he sure looked like he was going to be able to uh, to scratch that one off in 2006, but he had an awful final round. He couldn't keep it in the fairway, the final couple of holes, particularly the final hole. This would be, and I'm a, I'm a Tiger fan. I always rooted for Tiger over Mickelson. But this would be something special. Special. And I know that the uh, uh, look, the network wants it for sure. But wouldn't this be something if, if Phil, at, the, at his age, could, I guess, um, make a right or wrong, if you will, from 2006 and win that elusive U.S. Open? Sure, exercise the demons, right. not only the U.S. Open demons, but do it at a place where the demons popped up. Uh, you know, you could argue that one was pretty bad. Uh, Colin Montgomery did something to contribute to that loss too. I mean, Monty probably should have wanted even you know more so than Phil. But you know, Phil had the had the the U.S. Open at Marion in his grasp, and Justin Rose won that one. And and uh, physically, there's there's no reason why Phil Mickelson couldn't do it. I was just looking on Twitter here earlier, and they post somebody posted a picture of Phil when he was 35 years old, and physically he's in far better shape now than he was when he was in his, in his mid 30s, and he hits it farther than he did when he was in his mid-30s. The question, of course, is the, the psychic damage of finishing second at so many of these. And I think the reality, too, is that there are so many more good players that could win majors right. now than when he played, you know, than when we're talking 15 years ago. The, 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 you know, Tiger's not as dominant as he was, obviously, and, and there's just a, a broader cast of characters, you know, players playing with no fear. And, and, and you hit it. I mean, that would be the best storyline. It would be a better storyline than Tiger because yeah. the, you know, the redemption for Tiger has already come. What I'd love to see is someone like Phil coming down the stretch against some of these interesting young players who have a chance to make a name for themselves so we can, we can merge the old with the new because I think that's what makes golf so interesting and special compared to some other 
sport. I mean, you get a whiff of it with Tom Brady in the NFL, but but multi generational players, they're, they're very different in the way they play. They're different in the way they talk. Different styles. I think that that's what makes golf fun, and that it's not a cookie cutter sport anymore. The uh, there will be no Grand Slam this year. You can safely say that with the British off the table for 2020. But Colin Morikawa won the PGA Championship. How's his form coming into the weekend? I don't know. A triple crown, maybe at least at stake. He's obviously the only guy that could get it. What's so amazing about Morikawa is that the, the skills he has transfer to any golf course on the planet. Yeah. He's an, an elite ball hitter, whether it's a driver in sand or iron. He just flushes it, and the only mystery for him is what his putting week looks like. And and ironically, at the U.S. Open, you, know, the, the, you, you talk about the crazy greens at Wingfoot. I don't think you need to be an exceptional birdie maker at Wingfoot. What you need to be is a bogey avoider because – there's just not enough birdie opportunities to make up for bogeys and, and, and more specifically doubles. So if you can keep the ball in play, which he's the best at, and avoid you know, dumb doubles and triples, you don't have to be you know, jarring them from 20 and 30 feet all over the place. So uh, you have to, to count him as one of those players that's, that's in it just because his accuracy never gets too far off. He's a player like Tommy Fleetwood in that respect. And what it takes is, is, is doing it the first time, which obviously Fleetwood's still trying to do. But once you've done it and proven to yourself that you can, that's a, that's a, that's an amazing superpower to have for sure. Uh, Matt Rudy, Golf Digest, is uh, is our guest, Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Matt, I mentioned at the be- beginning, this is a um, – it's not a stellar week of college football viewing. Likewise, in the NFL, it's, try- it's hard to find a big game in week two in the NFL on the slate. Not the best marquee matchups. There's nothing that, you know, is m- like like last week. I mean, you had to watch the Bucks, uh and the Saints. They're, they don't have that this week. So my question to you is what kind of ratings will the U.S. Open that does terrific business in June have in September uh, catching a break with uh, with the college in the NFL slate? I think what golf has going for it is that golf was able to come back with a real sport and with some compelling storylines uh, a while ago now. So you've had time to build up the Morikawa storylines, to build up the Dustin Johnson storylines, to build up the John Rahm Storyline. So I think people are invested in tour golf, and, and tour golf has had more of the stage to itself than it would otherwise have. That's good for ratings and good for the sport. And the NFL is always going to draw. And but but there are a lot of college football fans, you know, Big Ten fans notwithstanding, that are looking for something else to to watch. And and I, and I think when you add in the marquee names, you know, your Tiger was not around at the tour championship that just you know he wasn't a factor and phil mickelson wasn't a factor those are those are players that are popular no matter when they tee it up and when you add in perfect weather in a in a classic venue those to me all aim toward really good ratings obviously who's in contention needs to contribute to that if you get a lower profile person and and i'm not even talking about one of these exciting young guys like morikawa is a great story i'm talking more like a middle-aged journeyman kind of winner if that's if that winds up being the you know the play like a ben curtis kind of british open that's really the only thing that could get in the way of that moment the tiger question where are we (laughs) keep it open for you matt (laughs) well you know tiger the the irony is that that he's hitting the ball better than he has in a long time and better than a 
middle-aged guy with a back fusion probably has the right to hit it. His swing just looks so free, and he and he and he just doesn't look like he's in pain. You know, he he move, he's moving really well, and obviously the warmer it is, the better it is for somebody with that kind of issue. But the but the thing which shocks me to even say is that you're worried about his putting. He, you know, he, he didn't make a thing this entire season, and 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 that you know, that's problematic because pressure pressure radiates backward in your game. If if you don't feel like you're making the four, five, six, seven footers that you're accustomed to seeing, all of a sudden you're trying to jam the ball in closer. You're you know, and, and there's bigger penalties for for missing shots out of the fairway, and obviously that's the case at the U.S. Open, but it radiates pressure backward through your game. And he just hasn't looked like the same guy with the putter. He's he switched out the putter that won all those majors. He's, he's gone back to it. He's he switched the grip on that putter. He just, he's tinkering around with that club a lot. And, and I think that's going to be the, the, the kryptonite this week. Matt Rudy, Golf Digest. Well, Matt, we'll give you an opportunity to pick John Rahm. <laughs> we'll be disappointed if you don't. Uh, you, you haven't been on his, you've been on his bandwagon for years. Uh, for he, sure. I think he's got a big chance this week. Obviously, Dustin Johnson, you mentioned him earlier. Give us a couple of names to watch, Matt. Boy, I love Z- Xander Shoffley. He was the best okay. player in the field at the, at the Tour Championship. I mean, he beat Dustin Johnson by four shots, but he just didn't have enough of a, you know, he couldn't come back enough from that. The, the strokes that, that DJ started off with. But um, I think a player like that, Chez Reeve is so much fun to watch in these events. He's a tiny little guy who doesn't hit very far, but boy, he hits it straight and, and he hits long irons. Great. And he just is always around in these hard venues. And, and uh, when, when bombing it, when there's penalty for bombing it crooked and, and another guy, I mean, there's, there's this guy called Rasmus Hogard. Who's a, who's a 19 year old from Europe. He's won twice on the European Tour already. And he's just, you know, this giant kid who bombs it, and he's another one of those young players that that just doesn't have any fear. And I man, I'm, I'm certainly not picking him to win, but man, that would be a that would be a fun introduction to major championship golf right there. I'm gonna remember that name, Erasmus Hogard. You said, yes, H O J G A A R D. I'm gonna watch him this weekend, Matt Rudy. Will we recap it with you on Monday? Uh, thanks for doing this for us, Matt. Looking forward to a, a busy weekend of golf and sports in general. But this should be fun. Thank you, Matt Rudy. Talk to you on Monday. You bet. See ya. Good to talk to you, Matt Rudy. Golf Digest. Rasmus. What's give me the price Hogard. on my guy Hogard? My guy Hogard, Trent. Uh, 160 to one. Jeez. You can get him to finish in the top five at 33 to one, or top ten at 11 to one. You gotta take a stab at the top ten for eleven to one, don't 11 you? Eleven to one when you got Rasmus Hogard on your ticket, a big dude, and he hits it a mile. I like that. Uh, uh, some the betting favorite, of course, is DJ Dustin right. Johnson. How, where, what, what's his odds? Plus eight fifty. Okay, where's Tiger? Because I gotta think he t- he takes an uh, an amount of money that he, he shouldn't. He's 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 over bet every single time he tees it up. Forty-five to one. Is he really? He's wow. down at like the so much for that theory, Ken. Fifteenth, twentieth choice, right in that range. Holy mackerel! Yeah, he's way down in that one, which is surprising. But our betters finally catching on overall. There's always going to be. I dislike Tiger. I'm going to throw right. You know, that's twenty that's bucks on him. But um, what about Mickelson? Mickelson is twenty-five. No, he is big much price too. Further down, wow. yeah. Phil, 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 where are you, Phil Mickelson? I had to have scrolled past him. I'm 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 down in the Rasmus uh, range right now. Phil Mickelson, Phil Mickelson, a hundred to one Jeez. at DraftKings. That's crazy. Big big prices, Zach. 
160 to one. Yeah, he's yeah. right. He's right there with Rasmus at 160 to one. That's where you can get Zach Johnson. Some of the other favorites at the top. John Rahm is the second choice. He's nine to one. Justin Thomas of 14 to one. Xander Shoffley, 15 to one. Morikawa, 17 to one. And Rory at 18 to one. We'll take a timeout. Come back. Finish the program. Busy day. Lots of sports colliding. Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 10s. Whiskey of the year. Here, Wednesday edition, Miller and Condon. I just heard Trent mention the Waukee Farmers Market tonight. Also taking place, Farmers Markets in Indianola, Warren County Fairgrounds. Uh, they go tonight from actually this afternoon from two until six, and then over in Bondurant six until eight tonight. Main Street Southeast and Grain Street in Bondurant. Farmers Market season starting to wind down. NCMIC uh, sponsors our Farmers Markets updates. All right, Bill Moose is talking, and we're all better off before it because he's. <laughs> Um, I, I like that transparency that um, some of the athletic directors have uh, leaned towards. Bill Moose has said that he was, there's going to be no fans at Big Ten uh, mm-hmm. venues. None. Family, that's it. None. Throughout the whole footprint. Moose said that he started to really battle about that and said didn't want that to be a deal breaker. So he swallowed his medicine and said, uh, you know, we'll go along with Well, this will be good. Their fake uh, sold out record will continue because available tickets is still a sellout. And uh, they'll be able to continue on with that farce that's been going on for way too long over at Memorial Stadium. The good news, the, the big takeaway, at least to me from, from Moose, is he wants Iowa and Nebraska to play on Big, big Friday. Oh, yeah. And is politicking big time for that. After, well, Callahan, the coach at the time, and was it Eichhorst, the Sean Eichhorst. Yeah, the old athletic director. Yeah. Well, we had to evaluate where I was as a program. Mm-hmm. They want to go do away with Black out. Friday. Not very well since uh, those comments has been five in a row from the Hawks. And bring it back. Bring it back in yep. a big way. I know Minnesota was excited about the possibility of having that game, but this rivalry has developed so well. Mm-hmm. The Big Ten, I think, realizes that too. And Nebraska, though they might not want to admit it, they need somebody to grab onto too. Sure they do. For a rival. Trent, they had it with Oklahoma. They tried to force feed Colorado, and it was okay. Had K State for a while when K State was really yeah. rolling with Bishop and company, really good. But yeah, they need this. Mm-hmm. You need a rival in your conference, and we need that on Black Friday. So yes. we'd have a double dip. We'd have Iowa, Iowa playing Nebraska, Iowa State playing Texas. Ooh, pretty, pretty yeah, good there. That game has been moved to Black Friday. Well, we're supposed to have a schedule potentially by Friday. Couple of days Wonderful. is what Moose said. Okay, so we will. Uh, we're going to hold him to it. So one crossover. Mm-hmm. And then the extra game will be against... Which may be at a neutral... All of those, uh, the plus one games, mm-hmm. and if you're just joining us, um, they're going to play eight games, and then the championship weekend, which is the 19th of Saturday, but also the 18th of Friday, one versus one in the East versus the West, uh, two versus two, dot, dot, dot. So last year it would have been Michigan and Iowa, at the three in the East versus the three in the West. Those two schools would have played. They're still going to do so this year, and they're looking maybe at a neutral site for all of those games. So in order to play them only at one neutral site, St. Though, Louis. That'd be difficult to pull off, though. You're talking about a couple of games on Friday. Two on Friday, three on Saturday, three on Sunday? Oh, that's one extra. You need seven, seven games. I don't think it goes Sunday. Yeah, that's, that's you're right, Trent. It's, it's that's difficult to pull off if it's only at one site. That's why multiple sites, mm-hmm. be it 
you know, the the obvious ones, Detroit, Indy, Minneapolis, and St. Louis, like you said, but even small one, the Unidome. There's Nobody's no going to be there. Right, right. Now, it's not also very easy to get into Cedar Falls. You fly into Waterloo. I don't think there's a whole lot of direct flights from State College to Waterloo. Guessing no. But you can find a way in well, whatever it makes the most sense for. If Northwestern is... Well, they're chartering anyway. So play, Playing Michigan right. State, yeah, you can get both those planes in there. You're going to be okay mm-hmm. to get into Cedar Falls. But I'm intrigued. I'm excited about it. No flexibility, which nope. still remains That's why I thought the concern. 17th made more sense. Yes. And, uh, and going this route. But they'll find a way. They'll play football. And everybody will be okay. And we'll know who's going to play football against whom. Potentially within the next 48 hours. All right, good stuff today. I want to thank everybody that joined us. Opportunity on deck.org. That's going to be a fun event this weekend uh, at Principal Park. Dylan DeClerc joins us. Brian Walton on the Cardinals was part of the program. Cappy was terrific. Yes. Centurion Stone of Iowa. And Matt Rudy, Trent, and I talked a little golf because, after all, there is a major championship this weekend. Murph and Andy at two, Fanatics at four, Hawk Central tonight. Guessing their show format has changed. Or- yes, and uh, your boy Trent Condon will be in the oh, host chair tonight. Nice. Uh, so uh, we'll look forward to that. And then tomorrow morning, morning rush. Trent and I do 10 to noon on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM.